So with the news that uh, Ashley Giles has stood down at the ECB, a lot of speculation about are more changes to come and uh, is Ashley going the right thing? Who should go? Who should stay? Um, so I'm joined by Mr. Paul Newman, longtime friend and supporter of the show, uh, who's written a really interesting article in the Daily Mail. I just thought it's probably worth just chatting and asking him a few questions about that. So first of all, Paul, welcome back. I um, hope you've been wintering well. Hi, Darren. Yeah, good. Good. Thank you. Nice to be back. Were you down in Australia? I wasn't actually. No, I didn't go in the end. Um, and I don't think I, I missed too much. Uh, it was um, it was a horror show, wasn't it? It was um, uh, I think it was worse. I have been there for uh, the 4-0 the, the and the 5-0, the last two. Um, and I think it was even worse than those, actually, from what I hear about it and from what I saw myself and uh, talking to people. Uh, no, it was awful, really. And, and um, uh, it, 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 I'm not surprised at all that uh, Ashley Giles has gone. And I think um, uh, more are to follow, possibly as soon as, um, as, uh, as later today or tomorrow we're speaking uh, on Thursday. I, I think um, I, I think it'll probably be more likely to be tomorrow, but you think that Chris Silverwood and Graham Thorpe will certainly follow uh, Gilo. Um, and uh, then we wait to see who comes next. But um, uh, you know, it's sad. It's obviously sad, especially someone as good as um, Chris Silverwood, who we all know at Essex very well, who's a very good man and a very good coach. But uh, so many mistakes were made during that tour that you really you can't see how, how we can carry on. So I do expect that he will... Um, Join uh, join Ashley Giles in, in leaving the England setup as soon as uh, Andrew Strauss, who's now the the kingmaker and backers managing director of cricket, gets everything sorted out and gets his feet under the table. Yeah, I think it's good news. Um, Strauss coming back. Uh, that yeah. that just in terms of sentiment, just steadies the ship a little bit because um, I think everyone can agree that um, as a player and as an administrator, he has been um, very very solid. Um, it is a shame, like you say, because with um, spoons and with Gilo. Um, two thoroughly nice guys that I think were trying to do um, what they perceived to be the right thing in some very difficult circumstances. But clearly, though, they, they got some big calls badly wrong. Exactly. I, I remember sitting down with um, Spoons in 2019 in, in New Zealand, soon after he took over, when he, he said that all the planning, everything that, that he was about was to be peaking at, the, at this Ashes. Uh, and people say that English cricket's got an Ashes obsession, but I actually understand it because the Ashes is what our game, certainly our test game, is, is judged on. It's the time of the year when everybody is interested in English cricket, even casual observers of the game are interested in the Ashes. So you have to do well in the Ashes. Now, we know that winning Australia historically is incredibly difficult, but it shouldn't have been as bad as, as we made out. You know, this Ashes was played on three English-type pitches, uh, it wasn't a great Australia side. They lost Josh Hazelwood for the bulk of the series. They lost their captain, Pat Cummings, in, in Adelaide. So the chances were there for England. And 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 so Silverwood wanted to plan for this series all that a long time ago. It's never. It just didn't work out. I mean, it, there were injuries, of course, and Joffrey Archer in particular was a huge miss. But but really, the the batting was just terrible. The worst I've known in in central contract uh, era. That's that's for sure. Um, and that and that really was was the problem, and, and it was compounded by the fact that that the Chris and Joe Root continually picked the wrong sides. They seemed to do everything wrong at the toss, um, and uh, and really they couldn't even get three hundred once. They couldn't even get two hundred most of the time, could they? And that just wasn't good enough, really. So you can blame it on the system, you can blame it on all sorts of things, and counter cricket always gets a bit of a beating at this time, doesn't it? But yeah. the bottom line is that there were too many mistakes. And one of them now, which probably doesn't need the benefit of hindsight to have recognised at the time, was making uh, Silverwood the supremo as well as the head coach. I'm afraid there was too much on his plate. Yeah. He is a good man. He is a good coach. 
but but um, frankly, he looked out of his depth trying to do everything. And I think it's a role that, uh, that that might be too big for most people, really, if you get the right person, perhaps. But it's just not like football. It's just not like rugby. And I don't think one person can do everything. So that that's where Ashley Giles went wrong. I think also we need two coaches. You need a white and a red ball coach now. That's another mistake by Giles. So we can see why he, why he was one of the, the, the first out of the door yesterday. Uh, I think that he feels aggrieved and I think Chris will feel aggrieved if, as expected, he goes in the next 24 hours um, because they feel that uh, their brief during the pandemic was to keep the lights on, as, as Tom Harrison put it. And really, they've saved the game to a large extent by keeping the England team on the road, by fulfilling all the international pic, uh, fixtures apart from uh, a one-day series in South Africa and that last test against India last summer, which was India pulling out rather than England. Uh, so they've done their, their their objectives in that. So they felt they should have been cut a bit of slack for that. Um, and Paul Collingwood, of course, one of the assistant coaches, came out and said they, he thought that all the players deserved medals for, for getting the, the Ashes series on in its entirety. And I can accept how difficult it's been. And I can accept that in the England players have been in bubbles more than anybody else. They've played more international cricket than anybody else. So if we'd have had a narrow defeat, so even if we'd have just played to the best of our ability... I think you could you would have seen the current um, uh, setup remaining in place, but it, but just as we've said, too many mistakes were made. Uh, it really was uh, awful stuff to a, to a depth that we didn't think possible in the modern professional era, uh, and 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 unfortunately, it's a results business, and um, sadly, these guys have to go. You mentioned Tom Harrison uh, and looking at a lot of. Um... Uh, social media and the rest of it and just talking to people um, about cricket. Um, Tom Harrison's been under steady criticism for being the invisible man and the way that he's handled things, not only on the results, but off the pitch, things like the Ollie Robinson incident um, last year. Can he survive? No, he shouldn't really. I mean, frankly, he should have been first out the door ahead of Gilo. Um, I'm afraid Harrison has had a, a, a terrible time. Um, but um, he's, he's hanging on in there and he's hanging on in there probably because there's nobody at the EC board with the, with the authority to, to get rid of him. There's no chairman at the moment. Frankly, the ECB are rudderless um, and there's nobody there who can push him out. We know that he's, um, he's just about to receive a bonus, a performance-related bonus, which came at a time when 62 people lost their jobs at the ECB. And for what, whatever reasons they say this bonus is for, it's clearly for delivering the 100. Now, the 100 has been one of the reasons why our, our Red Bull cricket has been so bad. I know people will say that it was only uh, it only came into being um, this year or rather last year. But um, the fact is that the, the English game has been obsessed with this and Tom Harrison has been obsessed with this since 2016. Compromises have been made for Red Bull cricket to, to fit in another tournament, which had to be played in peak summer. And really, Red Bull cricket has been pushed increasingly to the margins and Tom Harrison has to take the uh, responsibility for that. And it's all very well him coming out now and saying, Let's have a Red Bull reset. Well, well, thanks, mate. You know, what, what have you been doing for the last seven years? You know, yes, we had to improve our white ball cricket in 2015. Nobody disputes that. And the improvements made there led to that fantastic World Cup final in 19 and some of the most incredible white ball cricket that's been played by any team anywhere. And that's, that's to English cricket's immense uh, credit. But it can't be at the total expense of Test cricket because, we've, as we've seen after the Ashes, people in England still love their Test cricket and they're angry about it. And I, and I think they're messing around with that audience at their peril, the ECB, by being fixated by yet another white ball tournament. And it's come home to roost now. And really, Strauss is back in the hot seat. Strauss was the man who launched the white ball reset. He's now got to launch a red ball reset, really, back as a managing director of cricket. And, and frankly, the ECB needs a, 
a new chief executive. But and I think he will go this year. I think Tom Harrison will go later this year. But I think at the moment, he's trying to hang on to negotiate a new long-term TV deal with Sky. It's meant to be his uh, his forte TV deals. You know, he used to work uh, in that field before he, uh, he joined um, the ECB. So I think that's the only reason he's hanging on now. But he, I think he eventually will uh, pay the price. But um, there is certainly a valid argument, which I've seen um, repeatedly on social media over the last 24 hours, that he should have been the first one out. And I can understand that. Yeah, um, I read somewhere, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, that uh, you mentioned about Tom Harrison uh, picking up trou trousering, to use his a city term, uh, trousering a bonus. Uh, uh, did I read somewhere that Justin Langer has turned down a similar sort of bonus because he doesn't feel it's right? He has. That came out uh, in, in the Brisbane media, actually. Uh, a journalist called Robert Craddock revealed that, that um, Langer was uh, due a bonus, uh, for, I think, for taking Australia to the Ashes and the World T20 double. I mean, that's, that's a hell of an achievement, isn't it? But he said, no, not in these COVID times, not in these times of cutbacks. Um, Cricket Australia have, have struggled as much as anybody during the pandemic in our sport. Um, and Langer said, I couldn't morally take it. Now, um, you could argue that he's also made sure that that information has gone into the public domain so it's a it's a little bit like you know I, I do a lot of work for charity but I don't like to talk about it but at the same time um it, it's valid he turned that bonus down and and that's an example that's an example of, of what our people should be doing the the the, the full bonus is 2.1 million to be shared by three or four people I believe who who basically masterminded the hundred and, and Harrison is one of them so he's not getting all that money himself but he's certainly it's certainly a decent sized uh, uh wedge that's for sure Yes, Langer did do that. And it's interesting, Darren, that you mentioned Langer because he could well become a candidate to become our head coach, certainly in, in the long term. Um, I don't think it will be now because I think time is too short before England goes to the West Indies on February the 24th. So what Strauss will do is appoint an interim uh, when, if and when Silverwood goes in the next 24 hours. Um, but then in the long term, it could very well be Langer because despite that, that World Cup and Ashes double, he seems to be at loggerheads with the players. The players have decided they don't like his intense disciplinarian methods. And really, they've got the, the power these days. And uh, the, as we stand, the Australian board are due to discuss his future tonight. And things could move quickly. Justin Langer could be out of a job quite, quite soon. I don't think it will be soon enough to take England to the West Indies. But he could become a candidate, and that would that is a very intriguing prospect. He's very Australian. He's a great <laughs> Australian player. Um, could he come and put an England tracksuit on and work with the Poms? You know, we've seen Trevor Bailey's do it, but he doesn't have the the Test career that uh, Justin Langer had. Um, so that's that's a very intriguing option that Andrew Strauss, I would imagine, is considering because he would know Langer well from their Middlesex days. He knows Langer's a good coach, and also there's a strong argument to say that England very much need a disciplinarian now because they've gone down the the relaxed route and the arm around the shoulder route in, in Bayliss, who was a success, certainly in white ball cricket, and, and Chris Silverwood. But uh, I think as is the way with these things, they'll go back to a, a tougher approach now. And that's probably what the players need, to be fair, at the moment. Uh, someone more in the ilk of a Duncan Fletcher or Andy Flower, who both, of course, had incredible success with England until their terms ended with a thrashing by Australia. So the cycle's um, happening again. It is an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, much as disciplinarians and, and and Andy Flower is a great example uh, and, and Fletch as well um it doesn't it works with England and it gets you know that was you know we won the clock back 10 years and um that great film um about England's march from bottom of the test rankings in 2009 to the glorious um tour down under uh yeah. 10-11 um it's almost the reverse of the, the effect of the Australian team because whenever you have disciplinarians in front of uh, in charge of Australia 
it doesn't work. Mickey Arthur, to use the previous example, um, that yeah. backfired, didn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, the modern way really is to be more softly, softly in these things, uh, isn't it? Really, that's that's across the board, not just um, uh, not Roy just King. in Australia. Uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Paul Farbrace made a point when the Ashes were lost. Paul Paul Farbrace did a, did an article for us, and he did a, a couple of others in well in, uh, as well, in which he made the point that so much of modern coaching is being the player's friend, just telling them, you know, great shot, mate. Throw the book, do throw downs, and tell them how how what, what great shots they're playing. Well. I'm not advocating, you know, ridiculous disciplinarians who to take us back to the dark ages when, uh, when, when people, you know, and people were treated badly. But you do need a bit of an edge, a bit of an aura, I think. Uh, something that say Eddie Jones has got with the rugby team. I know he's had his ups and downs, but 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 Chris never had that sort of aura, really. He never had that sort of presence about him as as the the main man. Um, I think he was much more impressive in private than he was in public. He didn't necessarily come across too well when he when he did interviews, and, and he worked hard at that. He, he was uh, trying to improve in that regard. But it's what goes on in the dressing room more than more than what goes on in public that's important. And we know that some players fell out with Flower towards the end of his reign, um, not, notably Kevin Peterson, of course. But I, I believe Andy was the best coach England have had, uh, and he he didn't exactly rule by fear, but he, he ruled by respect and he ruled by certain standards um, and, and that is what England need now and it may be a bit of a throwback but, but I think uh, the players need that because we've seen that how good some of these guys can be how good Ollie Pope can be in at Surrey you know and he seems a, an absolute frenetic mess with, with England and um, we, we just need I think we just need a return of uh, professionalism discipline um, and basic standards really um, starting of course in the West Indies where England haven't won since 2004 and I think they've only won what is it twice in 50 or 60 years so if we think that this is not a great West Indian side compared to previous ones and, and it's going to be England getting back on track we might have another thing coming because uh, it's a very hard place for England to to win in recent times um, so we're probably going to get an interim in the short term I, I believe Alex Stewart would be a, a fantastic choice for that and I've written that whether Alec will get it or not I don't know um, others have said Richard Dawson might have a chance currently an under 19 coach and he's on the ECB payroll so it would be easy for him to be an interim but in the longer term you know you might well be looking at people like Langer, Gary Kirsten, Graham Ford, um, Mahela Jai Wardener, uh, possibly with him with the white ball team. Uh, there's lots of names flying out around out there. Um, uh, Mike Hessen who was very successful with New Zealand um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see certainly Andrew Strauss has a lot on his plate. He's said to be the interim managing director. I personally hope he stays on in that role if his family situation allows because he is, as you said earlier, Darren, he's the best man for the job. He's highly respected by everybody in the game. Uh, and he is the man to get us out of this mess, really, I would hope. Or he's certainly got as good a chance as anybody. Um, so let's hope he, he sticks around to do the job. I really, really like the sound of uh, Alex Stewart being the interim because um, he was always a pretty expert when he was a player out in the West Indies. Um, and I remember um, going out and watching him uh, in a couple of tours in the 90s. and. Uh, just watching how he handles, so he knows he knows the condition. But also, I don't necessarily think that the England selection or the squad that we've got is the worst. I mean, I think if you go and look around the county scene over the last couple of years, the same players step forward. But as you say, using the example of Ollie Pope, impressive in the domestic game, but under the England setup, has, has, has lost his lost his mojo. Ditto, Rory Burns. Um, I, I just get the gut feeling that if Alex Stewart came in, he would, because he, he knows these guys inside out, would get the best out of them. I think we could possibly see um, Ben Folks 
come forward and take up the the, the wicket keeping role. Uh, and I think those three, for starters, would just have that spring in their step and a bit more. Um, uh, uh, you know, they'd, they'd be demonstrating their county form on at test level. Absolutely. I, I think Alec would be perfect. I mean, he's been working as director of cricket, of course. He's not been coached as such, but he obviously, he, he's got the medals, as it were. He's one of England's best ever players. As you say, he's, he's done particularly well in the West Indies in the past. He, 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 he does know um, players like folks and, and Pope inside out. And I would back him to get the, the best out of them. I, I, as you say, you know, there, there's some good players out there. They're, they're, it's not as if England left their best 11 at home. Yes, there were injuries. You could always uh, have discussions about certain players. But there were some good players out there. And of course, it's a big jump from county to international level. And it's a jump that some players just can't make. Um, but at the same time, the ones that were there are much better than we saw. And obviously, they're not going to pick the same team again that's underachieved so badly. There will be a few new faces. Uh, I think Josh Bohannon at Lancashire has got a chance of featuring in this series. Uh, maybe Rob Yates, the Warwickshire opener. Um, I also think um, that Liam Livingston is, is well worth a try at test level. I know he's a very much a... A, a white ball um, uh, specialist, but he's never wanted to turn his back on first-class cricket. And I think he's got such an aura and a presence that I think he's well worth a, a, a punt at a test level. Uh, there are people there are people out there. There wasn't too much wrong with the bowling, really. If you if you added uh, Archer to that and if you added a couple of others, you know, and, and bear in mind that we, we didn't pick Broad when we should have done and, and we didn't pick Anderson when we should have done and we didn't pick Wood when we should have done. There's not too much wrong with the bowling. We, we have an issue with spin. Um, and there just seemed to be that England didn't rate Jack Leach. You know, there were times he'd, he'd be played in Brisbane on a green top trying to defend 147, and then he didn't play on a flat one in Adelaide. It was all very weird. You know, the word for the last two years, when I talked about this Ashes planning, the word was that England were thinking about going in without a finger spinner at all in Australia because traditionally finger spinners just don't do well there. Um, but they seem to get that half and half. They seem to not be, not be sure whether they wanted to go in with Jack or not because deep down they weren't sure he was good enough, but he was the best they had. So, Obviously, in the long term, we have to look at um, spin. And this lad, uh, Rian Ahmed, who, uh, who, um, who was the star of the under-19s in the semi-final win over um, Afghanistan, plays at Leicestershire. He might be one to watch in the long term. But again, we can't get carried away and think, just because a guy's done well at under-19 level, he's going to be the answer to our spinning problems. But Matt Parkinson will probably go to the West Indies, I would think. He's got to be worth a look at. Um, he's been in the setup for a couple of years now, possibly a better white ball bowler than red, but, um, but, but could be worth a go. Um, so all these questions will be swirling around. Oh, and, Verdi, um, is, that, is that a prospect? Um, Verdi, I, I, last time I spoke to Alex Stewart, funnily enough, about him, he thought he was still a little way off. That was about a year ago. Um, but, um, yeah, good prospect. Um, again, you know, when, when somebody's from a certain county uh, <laughs> gets ele elevated to England, it, it, it is easy to think they might just pick all their players. But, of course, the, 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 the converse side of that is that they also know their weaknesses. And, you know, Silverwood, uh, I mean, Jamie Porter was close to England not too long ago, wasn't he? But he seems yeah. to have disappeared completely. And, you know, and Silverwood, perhaps because he's watched him closely for a few years, maybe didn't think he was good enough. To, uh, I know he thought that Dan Lawrence was good enough. He was very keen to get him into the setup. But Dan went all around Australia and didn't get a game, didn't he? So let's see whether he goes to the West Indies and gets his chance. Because if, he, if he's now leapfrogged by people like Bohannon and Yates uh, and Livingston, that would be harsh, really, because he didn't get a chance to do anything about it out there. So so it, it's, it's an interesting selection, and it's one I would be very happy to see Alex Stewart and Andrew Strauss making, uh, along with Joe Root. It looks like he's going to carry on as captain. I've written all along that it's time. You know, it, it really is a case to say, look, Joe, you've had five years now. You've lost three Ashes series, or one was drawn, but you didn't win the, the urn. 
look, just concentrate on your batting and let someone else have a go. But I think he will stay because of the complete absence of any viable alternatives. Um, so let's hope it's a refresh for, for, for Root. Um, let's hope Alex Stewart is the interim and let's hope Alex Stewart, uh, sorry, Andrew Strauss hangs around to make the big decisions that will be needed probably over the next few months when we see whether Lang is a viable alternative, when we see if uh, Gary Kirsten perhaps is a, is a viable alternative and, and we just see what's out there really and, and, um, and we start, you know, the climb back up as a test nation. Yeah, I think it's, you know, looking at what's happened over the last couple of years, I think to move forward and basically underlining all the suggestions you put forward, we need to have at top level people with cricketing stripes on their arms. We need people that have been there, seen it, done it, uh, and um, and can help guide and just a, a bit of proper leadership. And so I definitely think Strauss and, as you say, uh, Alex Stewart, and look, if we got Langer, that would be fantastic. Um, whether he'd still be around by the time the next Ashes series came along would be another thing. But it, it'd so. be interesting. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be, it wouldn't be dull, that's for sure. I think I think Justin Langer. Yeah, I'd, I'd be up for it just to see what happened, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll keep... Uh, I don't think anyone can take their eyes off this situation. As you say, we're, we're sitting here talking on Thursday. Um, another 24 hours, 48 hours, there could be a lot more changes. So we'll, we'll keep yeah. posted and we'll be following you on social media, Paul. But uh, many thanks for joining us and uh, always great to catch up. Thanks very much, Darren.